0: All you have to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. On Monday, May 20th, Amy Nelson's gonna come on and we're gonna talk social media, but specifically how to drive revenue and connect with important stakeholders that matter to you in your business using social media. The next day we have Nosheen Chen and she's gonna lead a presentation about how to become a better communicator, how to increase those skills faster because that's gonna help you not just connect with new people, new clients, but also get your idea across better ton of takeaways in that presentation. Then all you have to do to sign up and join and get all the links that you need is smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Again, one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Join us on our Expert Advantage Workshop Series. You're not going to want to miss it. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage.
1: Oh, hello and welcome to the Community Experience Podcast. We are so glad you're here. If you're one of our regulars, you're probably wondering why we haven't published in a while. We actually chose to sunset the show in early 2023, but the feed will stay active because so many of the episodes are timeless. If you want to learn more and search our back catalog, you can visit smartpassiveincome.com slash CX podcast, all one word.
2: Err on the side of making a decision as opposed to trying so hard to keep your options open that you never make a choice. It's okay if you start using a tool, you use it for a while and it's good for a while, and then you realize this tool is no longer serving the purpose that I need. Now I have to switch. Just with another coworker this week, we came up with Mindy's Law number one. Eventually, everything will need to be migrated. So just err on the side of making a decision. Get going. You can figure it out if you need to do something different later.
1: Hello, welcome to the community experience podcast. I'm your hostess Jillian Benbow. And today we are having a special episode. I have my colleagues, Matthew Gartland, the CEO of SPI media and Mindy Peters, the senior solutions manager of SPI media with me today and we are talking about building out new communities and tiers. So This is something we are doing. We see a need for not having one big community and instead having some different price point options. And we thought this would be helpful to anybody in community who maybe is thinking the same thing. So just some background info before we get started with the with the talking. I just want to make sure everything is clear. So I'm going to provide some context about our communities and kind of the the origin story and where we are and where we're going so that it all makes more sense. And the reason we're doing this, this is a two-part series. Pat had myself, Ashley, and David, so the CX team on his pod, and we talked about why. We talked a lot about like why we're doing this. So there's that episode. In this episode with Matt and Mindy and myself, we're talking about how we did it. So kind of like what we had to think about, the considerations, how to add on to an existing community, uh, how we did it, lessons learned. So we thought this would be helpful for people listening to the podcast because it's it's an option now. I mean, platforms and just the way communities work, it's, it's a very real option. So we're excited to dig into it. So the context, just a quick recap, I'll keep it TLDR for you. 2020, we launched SPI Pro, a private paid community. There's an application to get in. We do have a cap on membership. It is very specifically for digital entrepreneurs who are either mid-level or advanced that are making recurring revenue. And it's a safe place for them to get together, to collaborate, to talk, to have vulnerable conversations, to network, etc. And it's been going great. I mean, it's a great community. I love it. I'm proud of it. But as we were doing that, we realized with the application, a lot of people wanted to join who just weren't ready. They weren't ready to pay the membership fee based on, you know, maybe they weren't making regular revenue. It was hard to afford it. The conversations happening were just not in the stages that they were in. So they felt just behind Um, everybody else and didn't feel like they had a lot to contribute. And because it's a very first mentality in there, you feel bad if you're just you feel like you're just taking, right? That's not the intention of the community. And nobody likes feeling like that. So we saw that and thought, huh, do we open pro up to more like beginner business people or people with an idea? And decided no, because we want to protect what is in pro, we don't want to dilute it, if you will, we want to keep it, we want to keep the membership experience the same as it is. And that would possibly harm it because it would shift a lot of conversations. So we started exploring the idea of launching a tier. So kind of in the same community, in the pro community, but a tier of pro that was more geared towards beginners. And then it would be easy to, if they're ready to move them up to full pro, you know, and change the kind of their membership upgrade, if you will. But that felt very messy for a lot of reasons. So for us, we didn't want to have a ton of people on that pro platform, because it it mixes the messages of the, the capped membership. And just from a platform standpoint, to keep those groups separate would be a challenge. Just things like DMing and you know, obviously we could tier the space access, but, we, but essentially we decided we didn't want people who weren't in actual SPI Pro to have access to SPI Pro, even just parts of it, which is why we opted to launch the learner community, which is that downsell community. It is more affordable than Pro and there's no application. We decided to launch that in our academy, which is where we've had our course communities. So hopefully this makes sense. We have the SPI Academy. And we have SPI Pro. They are on two separate circle platforms. We have two. Again, the point behind this was our course students have nothing to do with Pro. So we never, never thought to use Pro for them. But for the learner community, it actually made sense. I mean, one, it's called the Academy. You go to an Academy to learn, or maybe it's still a sporting goods store in like the South in areas. Is it? I I think it is. I have fond memories of going to Academy, but that is not the point. The point is we decided the learner community made the most sense in the Academy because there's the most crossover with people taking courses and learning and wanting a membership such as learner. The course communities started out kind of like a light learner, but we decided to divest in the programming for our students and really just keep the course communities focused on course topics. So say you buy Power Up Podcasting, our course, you have the option to join the Power Up Podcasting space within the academy. And you also have access to office hour replays in the academy. So one of the benefits of being a student, you do not have access to the learner community. A learner joins and it's separate. So these are these separate tiers, right? And they have access to all the programming and spaces to do with the learner community. They do not have access to any of the course communities, unless, of course, they have purchased one of those. So that's where we are right now. As you're listening to this, we have launched, we have people joining Learner. It's all very exciting. So, with that context, let's get into how we actually built it, how we did it, the things we considered this week on the Community Experience Pod. <laughs> And welcome to this super special episode of the Community Experience Podcast. I'm here with two of my favorite people. Yay! 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 (laughs) (laughs) I am here with the Matt Gartland, CEO of SPI Media. He's been on the show before. Hello, Matt.
3: Always glad to be back. This is so fun.
1: Yeah. And my boss. So everyone, you know, let him know. Pish. Pish. What a great job I do. <laughs> and then of course, one of my favorite coworkers who has a solution, everything is figure outable, our senior solution manager, Ms. Mindy Peters. Hello! Hello! Mindy, this is your first time on the show. It is. That's exciting. And it's it's overdue, frankly. Mindy and I have a ton of fun in Slack channels and meetings and just general shenanigans, sharing TikToks. And Mindy's joining us from her closet. The recording booth. Yes, I sure am. I guess I didn't need to out you. <laughs> <or in> you.
2: <laughs> That's okay. You can see my lovely shoe containers from the container store.
1: I love it. I love it. The audience will just have to visualize it, but picture like, you know, the home edit, like the fancy boxes. That's, and I also see some Target stuff because I have the same ones, Target bins. <laughs> oh my goodness.
2: Well, yes. Uh, um, Target, Target is my happy place. Yes. Yes. Uh, as, as Samesies. Target in the
1: brew pub. Anyways, today we're not talking about that. We are talking about community, obviously, but we're talking about our communities. And this is a two-part series, one episode here on everyone's favorite show, the Community Experience Podcast. And the other episode is going to be on Pat's show, the Smart Passive Income Podcast, SPI. And what we're doing is there's just been a lot, we've been working hard on a lot of things in community and we've expanded our community so we're going to talk about on this show we're going to talk about how that all happened just let the thought processes logistics just kind of high level but i'm sure we'll get into get into some stuff some specifics and then on pat's show they're going to talk about why why we did all this so if you want that context head over to pat's show there'll be links in this show but i'm talking a lot so let's kick it off i think it would be smart to just start before my time, which is deciding to launch a community in the first place, which we've talked about a little on this show, but I'd love to have a little Matt and Mindy, um, little Eminem kind of like stroll through the past, like how community even became a part of the SPI repertoire.
2: Yeah, the first iteration of community with SPI, I mean, the very first was probably the comment section on the blog, but the first real like interactive community was over on Facebook. And it existed there on Facebook for a number of years, maybe six, eight years, you know, there was an active Facebook community, but as all sort of Facebook communities sort of seem to go, it didn't work, you know, it didn't work as well as we wanted it to. It was sort of hard to keep track of conversations. And when it was originally set up, it was just Pat. Pat was running it himself. And then he brought in like a moderation team. And there were conversations going on there, but they weren't very deep. And I think that they weren't nearly as focused as the company was growing and becoming more mature they weren't as focused as they needed to be there was a certain point there where matt i think you you should jump in you know really really sort of came to us all with we need something better than this
3: yeah and it's Begin to, I guess, layer in other observations, right? In terms of our audience and business, in terms of even like the market, you know, thinking about the creator economy, which is a newer term. How do we start to think about like interesting, exciting new pursuits that, you know, try to solve for a variety of problems? So, sticking with Mindy's first point, on the audience side, you know, which is different than community, at least in terms of how we think about it and talk about it now, you know. By participating in that group setting, you know, in Facebook, less than stellar even from an audience engagement standpoint, and a lot of that was rooted in our course curriculum. So our student groups, you know, built around our programming, so email marketing magic or power up podcasting, you know, a, a lot of these things that you know the brand you know is known for, and we and we help entrepreneurs you know with these subjects. We wanted to go deeper with that level of support, you know, with those students that had purchased into the, into that programming and was looking to find other people like them and to maybe spend a little bit more time with us, right. And get get a little more like post-education help. And it was increasingly just a challenge to your point, Mindy, you know, to, to do that sort of in a Facebook setting. So, so yeah, that's kind of point number one, two on the business side, community in i guess again the terminology that we think about it now it was never a conscious thought from a business standpoint it was always like okay cool how can we bring people together connect them do some good stuff and add value but almost as a companion product or offering or kind of like the sidekick right to the main thing where now in terms of new capability new technology platforms new ways of thinking about business models you know we begin to think about the inversion of that. And that's a very exciting thing for, I think, a lot of people listening. And now we think about sort of like what's happening in the economy and what's really driving, or not actually driving, but meeting interest, like meeting demand, which is say people are, are craving connection and belonging first. It's like the primary now driver of interest to engage with the brand, to engage with personalities. Can it be monetized? Can we build a business, like a thoughtful model around that, such that we can show up, we can you know have a, healthy business so that I can hire people like Jillian and Ashley and David, right? To continue with that programming. So this gets into then more of, you know, on the business driver, number two, around like, cool, like we can build a community that's complementary to our audience, but is different from that and we can charge for it. And we can put membership pricing in place, you know, through subscriptions, and we can turn this into a primary business driver for us. So that was kind of the synthesis. And there was maybe a third little point that's worth noting. And I'm sure Pat will bring this up on on his show, which was all the way back in, Mindy, you can help me here, 2019, which was when I was starting to conceptualize the first version of SPI Credit Community from the business standpoint. We did have an in-person event. Uh, It was like Pat's personal event that we were helping to support called FlynnCon. And there was a part of like the ethos, right, of that like in-person gathering and a lot of spontaneous conversations and awesomeness that happens in those settings. The cool, could we kind of sprinkle some of the magic of that sort of a thing into what I was conceiving around like this business capability, this business offering around kind of community. So those were kind of the three things that kind of came together. Long answer, sorry.
2: (laughs) And FlynnCon was so exciting because it was for for some of us in the company it was the first time we were like seeing the faces behind like the email addresses that i see all the time like popping up in like sales records or you know if somebody writes in and i'm adjusting which emails they receive it was so exciting to then get to like see the face behind the email address. For me, that was really fun.
1: I love putting a face to a name like that. Like in, you know, obviously in digital communities, you often see people's faces and whatnot, but there's something about being like, oh, it's, you know, so-and-so Gmail, like that's you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so, so yeah, that's like, origin story i know we've talked on this show a lot about moving off facebook and the benefits and whatnot so i won't get into my usual soapbox about getting off facebook but yeah i mean when i know when i came on so pro had launched it had been going for i think a few like a few months because we're at the two-year anniversary when you listen to this will be a little past july 15th i think mindy confirmed the the actual birthday so yeah we've had two glorious years and and some change now. Um, so I came in like a, a few months later and we we figured out Pro and we were really working on fine tuning the programming, how the enrollments would work, like what made sense, what was the best use of our time, but also um, the best for our members. And we kind of got to this place where we noticed because Pro has an application process, we were kind of choosy, right? Like we protect our... We protect our community by letting, you know, we let in people that are in a certain place. So we feel like the, the financial investment makes sense for them. So they have a recurring revenue, whatnot, that their business kind of lines up with the type of businesses that we support and that are in the community to, to an extent. I mean, I'd say we're industry agnostic, which I just, I just learned that term, Elizabeth Tudis. Who I interviewed earlier this week said that and I was like, I love that but you know to a point like there are some people that whatever their their businesses I just know will be disruptive in some way so maybe not but point being there was a lot of people applying that just weren't ready and we don't feel right taking their money at that level that amount of money for pro because we know it'll be a bit over their head and overwhelming and so we kind of found ourselves looking at well, how can we serve these people? Because they still want that community piece. They just need different conversations, right? So that is how we came up with the learner community, which we specifically chose to put in a different community, if that makes sense. Pro is in, is a circle community. The academy, which is also where our course communities are, that's a different conversation, but our course communities are there. We opted to put learner in the academy to keep it separate from pro. And that And there was a lot behind that, but I'd love to stop talking and put it over to you two just to talk about like why or the how, like how we went about that. How did we conceptualize, build it out, that kind of thing. I think I'll start, Matt, if you just kind of want to talk about from a sense of tracking like financials and all of our, you know, metrics, your favorite. (laughs) Matt, talk about your favorite thing.
3: (laughs) Well, one of my favorite things are just honestly our working sessions. And my memory was a lot of this gelled between you and me pretty quickly as we were thinking about future extensibility for pro and how could we meet more entrepreneurs with where they're at in their journey, right? Uh, In a different way, shape and form, and therefore also price. And kind of the magic that that clicked in that working session was to find a lot of our students on the back end of, again, those educational experiences through our, our courses. A lot of them are ending up in the academy now on circle distinct community separate from pro as you said so it would be a more natural you know, offering and kind of gateway to have a learner membership program sit right there next to them, uh, if you will, right? So students that come in and learn about podcasting through our Power Up podcasting program and have an opportunity to kind of get their feet west, kind of sample you know, community in this way to kind of continue that journey, right? That we hope to be their guide on to learn more skills, to interact and, and discover you know, new friends and potential partners in some way, right? Like that's kind of the magic uh, or is the magic of you know community when you do it, right? With programming and more network effect sort of things. So that was the how. The how was like, we want to situate it with where those folks already are. And a lot of them are already congregating in the academy experience that we had built. Again, de-platform from Facebook. That's where our student groups are. That made sense.
2: And it's sort of a you know it could go either way if from from a structural standpoint you know whether or not we should have two communities or one we absolutely could have set this up with one single community and just made the segments within, you know, within the community of like, here's sort of the pro area. And here is the academy area. And we could have done that. And part of this is we are absolutely like learning as we go along. I think maybe if we were going to start the whole process over from scratch, I would maybe advocate for just having a single community and putting everything in one. But There is a lot of sense between having us having separated them in part because the academy sort of member base Is in the ten thousands, as opposed to the pro member base, where right now we're we're approaching a thousand. And so, when you do things like search inside the platform, if you were sort of trying to search for pro things, and you're an admin and you have access to everything, you might always be totally overwhelmed by academy things. And so, like from a structural standpoint, it makes sense for us to have them as two separate communities, but if you had a business and were thinking about this, you know, I think you absolutely could, you could have them all in one and just have their own area within the community.
1: Yeah, I think scale played a huge part in that decision. Also just for engagement metrics, right now it's it's just hard to differentiate if you're in the same community. So say everybody in pro, those metrics, keeping that separate from the engagement metrics in the academy was really important to us. And so it was worth the investment of two. But I agree if you're listening and you're like, um, hell to the no, that sounds complicated. You could absolutely do it in one, especially if your membership isn't in the 10,000s, like our course communities.
2: And a big part of why that is so big is one of the courses that lets you be eligible for the Academy membership into parts of the Academy as a free course. And so there's a very low barrier to entry there, which is why you know that membership number gets so high in the Academy.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's important to note too, with that we have it set up and Mindy is our, as I said, the senior solutions manager for a reason. She made sure this all worked very well, but when people come in on that free course, they have very limited access versus someone who comes in in a paid course. And then of course, um, the learner community, which we'll get into the, our community there, um, but like the access is all different. So it is doable.
3: Financial metrics, right? You teed me up and actually forgot to hit that uh, softball. That's okay. Is that in addition to engagement metrics, then we can study and have better precision to analyzing our subscriptions, right? Monthly, quarterly, annually billing, you know, inside these different then communities versus it's all kind of wrapped together, you can still do it. it, it gets trickier with whatever technology you might be using to kind of analyze that data. So there, there is a benefit to doing that. And then maybe one bridge further, more into the how, that we're always synthesizing and listening around feedback and trying to iterate on, are just the experiences. And that's why you know, we call the team internally, the CX team, community experience team, uh, all the way from the front end. So SPA Pro, as has been acknowledged, I think, you know so many times over on the show, know, is application based. So the whole front end onboarding is a very different thing than what the learner tier is, where there is no application. It's more or less on demand. You can join it at any time. We have enrollments, which is a very different thing, you know, on the pro side, etc. And then all the way into the community, the like the architecture of the community, the spaces, space groups, all that like they're just so they're so very different and they need to be different because again, like the demands and interests and engagement points are at in a very different stage, right? For the folks that are in these different communities, they're, they're serving different purposes at different points in time, you know, based on that journey. So yeah, that's a lot of the how around like, yeah, the setup and the onboarding and all those experiences.
2: One of the things that I like about the Learner Academy is when you're selling products, right? There's always a lot of sort of debate about do you keep that product available all the time or do you sort of have sales where you make the product available for a short amount of time that it then encourages people to make a decision about whether or not they want to purchase it and then you take it off sale for a while and you open and close right and one thing that i sort of personally within the company have always been a big advocate of is especially the stuff that's geared toward beginners I feel that like that stuff should be available all the time just because when somebody's ready to get going you want to be able to help them at the moment that they're ready right and so I like that learner is always available whereas sort of once you're more established you have more discipline your your business is going through its own cycles so it's okay to wait a little while to get sort of the ideal onboarding experience as opposed to just sort of joining something immediately and then not really having a guided experience through. So, anyway, that's sort of why I like that learner is always available and why I like that pro has these sort of dedicated cycles.
1: Random question, just curious Mindy cuz you're the, probably the most familiar with the back end and I realize this is kind of a this is a circle specific question, so apologies to anyone listening that's not using circle. Is it possible to have the several checkouts? Like if we had put learner community in pro under that big umbrella, could we still do both? Could we still have learner open all the time and then pop pro open just for specific people?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the way specifically that circle works is you set up what they call their paywalls. And that's essentially each product and each product can have multiple pricing plans underneath it, but it's each individual product. And from there, you basically just get a checkout link. And so Circle as a platform right now doesn't have like a dedicated sales page builder. So for us, we build our sales pages on our own website and then you just put that checkout link there. And so you can control when you make that checkout link visible and when you don't make it visible, as well as within the community. There are places where like if somebody tries to go into an area that they don't have access to. That's a place where you could sometimes have that link visible, but then you could manually remove it if there are periods of, say, the year where you don't want people joining the community at that time.
1: Love it. I'm guessing most platforms have something similar that sort of setup, which is, yeah, I think it's definitely doable.
3: There's probably a teachable point in here where, to some extent, think about the future. And that gets into why and some of these bigger themes around vision. And maybe we don't want to go too far into that. But if you don't have pre-existing scale, maybe in the way that we did, again, when we de-platformed from Facebook and we had certain growth targets from the very get-go, right, with SPI Pro, still think about how you want to build into this community over time. And are you you making at least the best decisions that you think you can make? Because, you know, it's never perfect. From the beginning, so that you have openings that you can grow into in the future versus the opposite, which is like, you constrain yourself of kind of or maybe accidentally put yourself into a bit of a corner in terms of how you are architected community or set up paywalls or things like that. That might be a bit of a headache later to change or migrate or replatform or something like that. So yeah, part of that how is thinking through like extensibility.
2: But like don't get yourself too worried about I'd say err on the side of making a decision as opposed to trying so hard to keep your options open that you never make a choice. It's okay if you start using a tool and you use it for a while and it's good for a while. And then you realize this tool is no longer serving the purpose that I need. Now I have to switch. Migrations are a pain, but I was, (laughs) I just, with another coworker this week, we came up with Mindy's Law number one. Eventually... Everything will need to be migrated. So you'll have to move from one platform to another. It can be done. So just err on the side of making a decision, get going, and you can figure it out if you need to do something different later. It's one of those things where, you know, it was like, if I had started writing a thousand words a night five years ago, I'd probably have a book by now. But I didn't and I don't. So, you know, just start. Just start. That's
1: actually a fantastic lead into a migration we're in the middle of. Uh, like we we literally do this. And I think it's important to talk about when we when we launched Pro, Circle did not yet have a native like a paywall system. And we needed one. And so and Mindy, I feel like you can talk about this the most is like tell the story of
2: member stack. Actually, so we're actually migrating to our third payment system for this community. So the first That's true. The first iteration when we just sort of wanted to get this community up and running and prove that it would work, we just got a WordPress plugin called, I think it was called Simple Payments Pro, and we hooked that up to Stripe and that allowed us to put a, a basically like a shopping cart on our website and accept payments into Stripe. And that was pretty good for a while, but we needed more control over our memberships. And we just needed some help with also having a place where we could put some materials that at the time Circle didn't really have a good solution for. And so then we set up something called MemberStack, which MemberStack is a more robust payment solution that also plugs into Stripe. And MemberStack allows you to essentially create user logins for your website so that you can have people be able to log into a website, but then if they don't renew their payment or their payment fails, you know, then it invalidates their login, that sort of thing. And so we've been using MemberStack now for maybe a year and a half or so. And maybe about six months ago, Circle created their own native payment system. And sort of as a general rule, I think it's always best to have as many things sort of native in in place as you can to sort of use the native solutions when you can use them, you know, in um, in a platform. And so we started to talk about migrating from member stack, which was working pretty well. But um, every time, you know, we would do enrollments, there would be people who would get confused. And the number of people who would get confused, you know, it was it seemed to be getting larger rather than smaller, unfortunately. And so we decided then to migrate. So we, we are literally like, we just started the full migration about 50 minutes ago. (laughs) And so if this is getting too technical, stop me. But basically if you have two Stripe setups, which is what we had in this case because we had the Stripe setup that is plugged into member stack and then Stripe makes you set up a new Stripe setup when you hook into circle. Stripe will help you migrate customer data from one Stripe setup that you own into another Stripe setup that you own. But then you have to manually go in and startup people's subscriptions. And so we are going through that process right now with the help of some very good computer programmers so that it isn't manual. You know, we're learning things as we go there. But I guess it's back to like members, Simple Payments Pro was the right solution in the moment when we set it up, we just wanted to get going. At that time, we maybe could have slowed down, done a little more research and settled on MemberStack, but that wasn't our business priority at the time. Then MemberStack was the right solution when we made that decision, and it was the right solution for a good 18 months. And now we believe that Circle Payments is the right solution, and we do have sort of the ability to do that migration, You just sort of always have to weigh sort of the pros and cons of making decisions like that. And if it's sort of just you and that feels terribly overwhelming, then the way that I would think about whether or not like would I do a migration would be, okay. is the current situation that I have workable? How much time am I spending dealing with the problems of this system? And if I add up the amount of time and money that I'm spending on the problems with this system, does that get me close to what it would cost to maybe get some help moving to a better system? And then that can help you sort of make the decision about whether or not it's worth jumping to a new system. Um, And there's always people out there that you can hire for a short term project for help. Um, You don't have to feel alone, and you can also ask the platform if they can recommend anybody that they know knows how to do that
3: beautiful <laughs> absolutely beautiful yeah mic drop <laughs> yeah I, th- I, th- I, I think we're done here
2: <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say and i say this as a person who always feels like i have to figure it out myself i have been slowly learning and matt has been slowly teaching me that i don't have to do it all myself sort of identify the problem and then State the problem and see if there's anyone out there who can help you solve that problem. You don't have to do it all yourself.
3: A barometer for us through a lot of that has been attempting to provide more empowerment to our members in the self serviced way. So by getting on to, for example, anyway, Circle payments natively, e- even from MemberStack, which solved it in a certain capacity beforehand, was giving the members the ability to log in themselves, update a credit card, and do more of that administrative, like, cool, I can do that on my own, like online billing or anything else that, you know, you might do sort of in normal life versus like, oh my gosh, I have to email the SPI support team and wait for a response. And like, that's a clunkier experience. You feel less empowered to do that.
2: That's what the problem was with Civil Payments Pro. I couldn't remember what the problem was. That's what the problem was. There
3: was, there was no ability, yeah, for members to like, update an expired credit card, or really, again, anything that involved important administration on their subscription, right, was not possible. We had
2: to talk to them on the telephone. On the telephone.
1: If anybody knows what that is, it's like that box you use to text people. You can actually talk to them on it. And it's, yeah, I talked to, I mean, on the on the bright side, I got to have a lot of lovely conversations with people. But Should you be paying me what you pay me to update credit cards in a database? No, like that's not my best use of time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think it's important to think about with all of this. And we're kind of just talking about some of the things we experienced with growth, growing pains, that kind of stuff. It is, it's what's the member experience. And that has driven a lot of our, what we do. And, And like, it goes back into the why, but also the how, like what solutions can we provide to make a member have a better experience? Nobody wants to deal with, you know, if you're if you're going to update your credit card and it turns into this whole thing, you might just cancel because you're like, this isn't worth it. So how can we make this as seamless as possible for people so that they're not having to reach out to us for them to give us money, right? We want them to be able to just have control of everything and, you know, set it, forget it. And if they need to talk about it, they can. But otherwise, like they're spending their time in the membership. They're all busy people.
3: The primary driver there is to make it the best experience possible. We want to reduce friction, but there is a, an important like business byproduct there, or version of that, which is churn. We want to lower churn, right? So if you're in the business chair in your Organization and you're building community, that's a pretty critical stat that you need to consistently look at. And then you can leverage for future forecasting and all these other, again, fun and nerdy financial things, right? So it's very much like a SaaS sort of offering, right? If anyone operates in that space or has experience in that space, you know, the mechanics are pretty similar in terms of how you think about go to market, how you think about trying to get people to kind of test the waters of the offering, maybe come in at a lower price point, get a more limited experience, but still valuable, kind of meets them where they are and then incentivize them and earn earn the trust, earn the right to kind of try to grow them into maybe a higher tier, and all the while be thinking about churn, retention, lifetime value, and all of these things.
2: I just wanted to define our term there. If you aren't familiar with SaaS, that's S-A-A-S, software as a service subscription software
3: correct and not like sassy (laughs) or anything even though jill brings that in spades sometimes but you know we're i mean
2: clearly we got the sassy down but yeah sass yeah we have no shortage of that at sbi no
1: yeah least of all from moi but i think anybody listening probably is using sass platforms and programs whether they realize it or not right it's pretty much circle and if you're building your
3: community on circle guess what hey circle's the
1: sassy You're sassy too. Join us. So I think what would be interesting to talk about is just the mechanics of tiers and having tiered membership, which uh, again, to recap, we launched with Pro. We always have the course communities. Those are not a a revenue generator. Those are just uh, something you get when you purchase a course. So they're over on the side for now. We're not going to involve them. But then we launched Learner, which is... In the academy it's in a separate place that's meant for beginners and then we've also which won't be publicly available till 2023 but we're piloting right now we launched a higher end community option within pro called mba and that's a higher price point it's much more touch points um actually matt and myself run it mostly matt's the brains behind it i do the mechanics and that's like very much more it's almost like group coaching frankly it's, how, you know, don't, don't kill me. That's how I would call it. That's what I would say it is now to me. Um, but we're, we're figuring out what it is. So we have this one, it's a sales funnel from the business side, right? We have a place where someone, if they are willing to pay for community, they don't need to apply. They can come right into learner. And then as they grow, pro is there for them. And then as they grow in pro and are getting like really kind of to that expert level and have significant, you know, or making like revenue, hitting all the marks and want to take it to yet the next level we have MBA. And so it's kind of like three tiers of the same, but also different, if that makes sense. So with that context, let's talk about just the, like the mechanics of how, at least for us with two separate platforms, (laughs) how, how we envision it all working. And I'm going to throw that right to Mindy because this is Mindy's world.
2: Yeah, so so the thing to think about is what happens for a customer when they want to move through that progression, right? So if we forget about learner for a minute because that is a separate community inside of Pro, we have two of the three products. We have Pro, Pro Creator, and then we have the MBA program. So what we need to think about there is if somebody is a creator and they want to move up to MBA, what happens to the creator membership? And so there's some mechanics there of trying to think about, do we cancel then the creator membership when we start up an MBA membership? And if we cancel it and it's mid cycle, like, do they get a refund or do they get credit? There's things to think about there. And um, the Circle platform has built in basically upgrades the, the ability to sort of say that these two tiers are essentially like mutually exclusive. And so if you go from one to the other, you should leave the other. The piece that I'm still t- figuring out right now, just sort of mechanically how to make this happen, is we have to do the same thing for the learner tier. And so if somebody's going from that learner community, which is a separate payment platform, and they move over to pro, then I need to cancel them on learner. And so it's starting to just think through like the paths there and figure out ways to to sort of manage those, you know, and so kind of what I'm thinking about is like, when somebody purchases, say a Pro Creator product, I'm going to go and check and see if is that person is you know, in Learner and I'm going to use their email address. But then you have to think about, well, like, what if somebody is deliberately purchasing with the same email address, a product for their admin, like Learner, but then they put themselves in pro, they'll always be edge cases, you're never gonna, like, completely automate everything, but you try to get as close as you can. And so it's just sort of thinking through what happens when somebody goes from this product to another product? What happens if they want to go from that product back to the previous product because they decide that it's not for them? And just sort of think through what are the logical paths through this? First start with what are the logical paths through? Then think through what are the edge cases? What are the things that I probably haven't thought of that I wouldn't think of, but somebody might do anyway? Like what happens if a husband and wife work for the same company and they wanna join this product together? Am I going to offer them a discount because they are from the same company? Am I not going to offer them a discount? You'll always get approached by maybe someone from a nonprofit who would like to join, but they would like a discount, please. And so what is your sort of policy around that? You don't have to answer all of those questions right away, but you need to Acknowledge that the questions exist so that you're not going to be super surprised by them when they show up and you've maybe given them a little bit of thought. So many nuggets. If the platform you're using doesn't have that stuff built in, then look into a tool called Zapier. It's Z-A-P-I-E-R. And there are also a lot of Zapier alternatives out there that are newer and cheaper, but not as far along in their development. And so they'll, the, the Zapier alternatives often don't work with as many platforms or they're a little bit buggier. But these are tools that are designed to help you connect different platforms together that don't natively integrate and move data around. So you can use a tool like Zapier to say, take information out of your community and move it over to your email service provider or to take information from your course platform, if that's a separate platform, and move that data into your community to say like, okay, this person made a purchase in Teachable, and now I want to give them access into my Circle community. And there's actually a native integration for that. So you don't need Zapier, but say you are using two platforms that don't have an integration, you can turn to tools like Zapier to help you connect those things together. And in that case, then the best search engine to use to find out how to use stuff is youtube hands down the best search engine for tech questions is youtube just skip google go to i mean google integrates youtube search results but aren't they the same company now they are they yeah but it's a better thing but anyway go there and type your questions into youtube and you'll find video walkthroughs of how to solve your problem i love youtube for that exact reason. Solves all my problems. Fun fact, I made a zap all
1: on my own yesterday.
3: No, you didn't.
1: I did, and it works. Tell me about it. It's in the, uh, so we use Slack to communicate as a team. We are a fully remote team. Zapier is like our additional employee, you know? Yeah, I have uh, several accounts where like my login is like just the Google login. So I was like, I'm just going to do this one. I'm not going to bother Mindy. And so now when someone books to be on this podcast uses the scheduling link in SavvyCal in the CX podcast channel on Slack. A little zap notification goes out telling David the who booked when. <laughs> so fancy. Took like five minutes. Also, Zapier has a free tier. So if you just want to try it, we are not sponsored. We should be.
3: <laughs> we really should be. We flex on that. Then with thanks to Mindy.
1: Yeah. Mindy, how many zaps do you think a day happen? In SPI world. Oh, like tasks? Yeah. Oh,
2: like in the world. Ooh, I don't know. No, 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 no. Just us. Oh, just Just for us. Just for us. Well, so with our pricing plan, we get 125 zaps and we are at, the last time I checked, we were at like just over a hundred set up. And we get up to 50,000 tasks a month. We almost never hit that, except that when I invited everyone in for the three-month free trial for Learner, uh, I blew through the 50,000 and had to very quickly upgrade. (laughs) Had to very quickly upgrade us. (laughs) Panic upgrade. Yeah. We maybe use like 900 to 1,200 tasks a day, I'd say maybe. Man, that pays for itself. Right.
1: When you think about it, when you think about what it's doing.
2: Yeah. That's stuff we didn't have to do ourselves. And and especially that's data I didn't have to move manually. And just very administrative, like the worst. <laughs> like boring stuff. Okay, well, we are
1: pretty much at time. I think to wrap this, I'm gonna put you both in the hot seat. Dun, dun, dun. And just what do you think is like as any community builder listening out there, if they're thinking about expanding their offerings like what's your number one like piece of advice or what you think what do you think they should hear
3: start with something incomplete like honestly we're doing with mba have an idea have a model have something that's testable yes but probably incomplete there's a lot that we don't know yet for mba that we're getting feedback on and then be authentic with that Uh, and i think we've done a good job on that point also with our founding group and they want to be a part of that creation process So if you have an existing audience, which again, in my definition, is very different than community, you can invite some percentage of them that hopefully will opt in and be like, hey, do you wanna be a part of helping me create this amazing new thing? Here are some parameters to what I'm thinking about. These are some things that we'll do. Join me on this experience.
2: I would say, before you decide on using a tech platform, ask yourself, what is the problem I'm trying to solve here? And then write down, These are all of the things that this platform must do. These are all of the things that this platform, it would be nice if it did, but it doesn't have to do. And then use that criteria as you evaluate your alternatives so that you don't get seduced by like cool, shiny stuff you didn't think about. Make sure first that whatever solution you're choosing handles all of the must do and hits at least a few of the nice to do's, you know, because it's just really easy to get seduced by like pricing pages for for tech products and then suddenly realize, oh, this doesn't even solve the problem that I was going to use it for. So now I'm going to go and buy another tool, but I'm going to still keep that tool. It'll it'll just keep you from overspending those shiny
1: things. I think they get us all. And it's okay. And you can cancel them. Hopefully they have a great
2: page where your account settings are. <laughs> and never use a product, a software product that doesn't have a great knowledge base. Mm. Always look at the knowledge base. Look at the knowledge base first, skip the pricing page, go straight to the knowledge base because if the knowledge base is good, then you can solve your own problems. That's <laughs> what we all need. Well, both of
1: you, thank you so much for joining on the day before the weekend after a, a week of, migrations and all sorts of fun stuff in our world. Appreciate both of you and hope to have you both on again soon.
3: Rock on. Thanks everybody.
1: And there you have it. There is the panel with Matt and Mindy and myself talking about the, the how the mechanics of how we went from one paid community, SBI pro to two plus and with more more ideas on the way so we will keep you posted on other things we are hard at work at and that will hopefully launch i shouldn't say hopefully that will launch this year i don't want to spend too much time on a wrap-up today because i think you get it you know i really like the the thinking through what problems may happen to then you know try to prevent them um that has been a very real part of my life the last few months and then of course there's the problems you did not anticipate that then you have to deal with in real time so yeah i mean things have happened automations have failed or fired when we thought they were off we've we've definitely had challenges along the way but one great thing about our team is we are pretty good about saying all right that happened let's fix it and move on. So that's what we've been doing. So yeah, love to hear from you. Have you done anything like this? Any tips you have that you'd like to share with the audience with our like kind of want to just call it the listener community, because I feel like we are a community. So I'd love to hear from you. You can at me on Twitter at Jillian Benbow. You can at the team at team SPI, all the ads, tweet at me, tell me your thoughts your ideas or challenges you've had or concerns you've had with doing something like this. And then definitely check out Pat's podcast. We will have the link to that show in the show notes so you can hear the the why more more into the why with Ashley, David, myself and Pat. And on that note, we will see you next Tuesday. Hey. You can find all of us at smartpassiveincome.com. Go check out the community page. We are constantly updating it. If you want to see a little glimpse of what we've been working on, maybe maybe get the you know the cheat sheet on what we've been talking about as far as these tiers and community options. Go to smartpassiveincome.com slash community. And of course, as you know, we're on Twitter at Team SPI. Your lead host for the community experience is me, Jillian Benbow. Our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Our senior producer is David Grabowski. And our editor is Paul Gregoris. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. Theme music by David Grabowski. See you next Tuesday.